All right, I think we are live and I just need to post that I am live in places that it is fun to post where you are live. How is everybody doing today? It is the two year episode of the podcast. Um, it's season two, episode 52. So the podcast is done in 52 episode seasons because we do them literally every single week. So thank you all for joining us today. It's going to be a fun one. We're going to be talking about a tough topic that is, uh, well, it's important for business, right? I made a lot of mistakes so that you don't have to. And it's an AMA, so you can ask me anything. Now, if you're listening to this audio only, or you're watching it on Spotify or something like that, and you're not watching live, You've missed the AMA, so make sure to go subscribe to our YouTube channel and turn on those notifications because that is how you will know all about these episodes because they are done live every single week. And we have a really cool guest next week, and I believe the week after I have a really awesome guest as well. So we've had a lot of um, of solo episodes recently, and it's fun to have some guests on as well. Filming stories, how you doing? 3DHP's hanging out. So is Mr. Chris Catlett. How's everybody doing today? We're going to be talking about failure. Failure is not an easy thing to discuss because we all want to believe that we're indestructible. And well, um, we're not. Uh, we're, we're, we're not at all. I got the pictures to prove it uh, <laughs> from the uh, disc surgery and stuff like their disc herniation stuff no surgery yet but disc herniation stuff for sure and uh yeah it's kind of a disaster uh dealing with failure because it requires you to accept the fact that failure is an option all right one of the big things that we failed on as 3d musketeers is how we started we started in a shopping mall. And that was honestly one of the dumbest mistakes I have ever made. It cost me like 40 plus thousand dollars to, on top of rent, because we had a bunch of credit card debt from that place. Uh, lo and behold, open air malls in Florida that really only attract people when it's not incredibly hot outside really bad location for a place where people need to come back to pick up their parts. And that place was like 2,500 or 2000 a month in rent. And there were a lot of months where we were not bringing in anywhere close to that. And that really sucks, but it's the way that it works right now. We had this lofty idea of doing 3d scanning and 3d printing. And so we would be scanning people and making miniaturized versions of people and in fact we got very good at it and i had been doing it previously in a uh, a different startup if you will and um i got very good at it like we worked with some really awesome people like snoop dogg and anthony anderson steve aoki lawrence fishburne ronda rousey just to name a few but they weren't enough to keep the bills paid right ultimately they want stuff reasonably as close to free as they can get or they're expecting me to pay them to do it, which was not going to happen for me. But the big lesson there was kind of understanding what you wanted to go after. My my data, my math, all of the 
all the numbers said that this should have been a knockout win. We forgot to account for the fact that you can't take the parts home with you the same day that you're scanned, especially if it's full color sandstone. It's not going to work. It takes weeks. And that time frame is so long that people are instantly turned off by it. And that kind of sucks, right? Um, scroll mutations, everyone, says Kit. Ah, I see. Filmosaurus says, ouch, yeah, that's tough. It sounds like a good location in theory, but because all the people go to the mall, it could generate leads. And it did, right? But the problem that we ran into was because we weren't making enough money to pay the bills, we weren't really making any money to staff the facility either. So I was required to be there. And that means I couldn't go to do meetings somewhere. If I knew for a fact, guaranteed that this meeting was going to turn into money, I'd pay one of the staff to come in and watch the shop while I went to the meeting. But if there was even a 10% chance that that was not going to be a knockout win, I said no. You're going to have to come to me. I can't leave my shop. But what it also did is that we had to be open mall hours, which equated to about 72 hours a week. Well, if you also have to be doing your regular job on top of attending to people that are walking through the door and you don't have really good attention and focus and spoiler alert, if you're a maker, you probably don't have really good attention and focus. So, you know, we've talked about this one before. You're going to get very little done. So when do you get it done? Well, after you close. So that means you're working more hours after close. Then you got to come home, do all the stuff you needed to do at home. Then, you know, go back and do the same thing again the next day. It wore the ever loving shit out of me. It was so, so rough. And it wore on the staff too, right? They all felt the brunt of it because people weren't getting a bunch of hours and when they did it was sporadic at best and we'd have all these big major projects that didn't really do anything and people that didn't pay us it was a disaster because i was so focused on keeping that place open because when you were closed they billed you they actually charged you for being closed which is absolutely ridiculous but hey whatever I guess private businesses can't operate like private businesses. Thank you, Russ, for the $20 super chat. Dude, I appreciate it. You are always donating to the channel. I absolutely appreciate it, Russ. Thank you so much for your support and dedication. That is going to go right into the Earth Fund. And uh, I've actually started putting some of that money to good work. You guys can't see it, but there's a bunch of cables and battery packs and that kind of stuff here because I am putting together an Earth Kit that will allow me to travel at a moment's notice, basically toss my cameras into a bag and go. Uh, so I'm very excited to be able to do that kind of stuff. So thank you very much for that. Uh, Trevor from Navare 3D in a Florida mall does really well, but his rent is really low. Power bill is through the roof. I don't know Navare 3D. Am I out of touch with my own competition? Huh, I've never heard of them. Navare 3D. Where are they located? Santa Rosa. Huh. Let me see how far away they are from me. Now that, now I'm just going to have to figure this out. Oh, they're north. Oh, God, they're really north. Okay, they're north. They're, they're past Tallahassee. They're basically right on the border of Alabama. Um, which, you know, again, if your location works, it makes sense. And if for some reason 
we did have cheap rent, which we really didn't, it might work. And remember, we also opened 3DM in 2016. Had we opened it today, we would have staffed it full of Prusas, and you wouldn't have really needed a bunch of people. Um, well, apparently he's on your stream every time, show a story every week. Oh, okay. Yeah. Have him reach out to me. That'd be fun to talk about 3D printing and retail because good Lord, 3D printing and retail is an absolute disaster. I hate it. I hated it. It was so bad, but he's in a closed air mall, which might give him a, be a benefit over me because when it's too hot, people don't come to, I was in Wiregrass Mall in, 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 in Wesley Chapel. People didn't come to you when it was too hot. They didn't come when it was raining. Uh, and we got like 80% of our traffic during the Christmas season when they had the, their fancy trees and BS and they were all looky loose, right? Very few people bought stuff. And I spent a lot of time chasing down teenagers that would steal from me. I got yelled at a lot by the mall for chasing down teenagers. And I said, look, as far as Florida is concerned, I don't even have to chase them. I can just shoot them because they're stealing from me. So I can either chase them or I can start shooting them. You decide which one you want. Uh, and they they reluctantly agreed that chasing was the better of the two options. My favorite story for that was always was when I chased a couple of kids out of the store that it, that were stealing stuff. Like they're very obviously stealing stuff. And they ran into Charming Charlie's, which was our next door neighbor. His two like 16 year old kids, guys that ran into that store. I'm like, you are the only dudes in here under the age of 35. I know it's you. Don't even try to play this game. Um, it, it was bad. I, I, I call the cops so many times on, on people stealing, but you know, Hey, it is what it is. You know, ultimately people are going to be crappy and you got to deal with it. But yeah, location matters a lot. Open air malls in Florida were a bad move. Closed air would have been a better move, but yes, the, Knowing your customer, and I think back then we dealt with the same problem that we deal with now. It's an education problem, and I bet Trevor from Navarre would agree with me that you spend a lot of time educating the general consumer, and that has been a massive fail of mine. If it hasn't been obvious to those out there, I talk a lot. I mean, that's why I have a live podcast that's literally live right now, and of course, you guys can ask me anything. Make sure to leave a like and all that kind of stuff. Um, but you can ask me anything. This is a, uh, ask me anything podcast. So please, by all means, ask whatever you want in those comments, film and stories with the 20. Thank you, Courtney. You are awesome. Courtney, uh, recently sent us some CHT nozzles and we did a video of it. Was it this past week? Yes, it was. It was this past week. And we have a really cool video coming out next week. It has been filmed since like April and I have not had permission to post it and I still don't have permission to post it, but the project is going public, which means the NDA is effectively null and void. So I'm just going to send it and hope we don't get a, a note from the lawyers. But we made a really cool project. If you guys follow me on Twitter, you will have known, you'll, you've, you've known about it. Uh, we made Dusty from Justice Sucks Recharged. It's a game about a killer vacuum. Uh, and we filmed the entire process. Everything was time-lapsed. I did a full-length video build of putting Dusty together. And then we filmed a vlog going and delivering Dusty to the client, which was pretty cool. Uh, so, yeah, it's um, th that's a really fun project that I'm excited to share with you guys. Uh, it's it, it's going to be fun. But... Yeah, the, the fail for me has always been, one, getting off topic. Oh, boy, that never happens around here. But two, um, talking too much. And when we set 
specific times for client meetings. So we, we have the ability to book a free consultation on the website. Uh, it's 25 minutes. I don't think I've had one that went under 40 in like many months. And I've realized over and over and over again that we have a massive issue with education. And this is odd because you look at when you go buy an iPhone, right? You don't ask the people at the counter, well, how does this phone made? How does it work? How does it do all of these things? They don't ask that at an Apple store. They do about 3D printing. And I don't know why. Maybe it's because they can see them working. And at an Apple store, you just go buy the phone and you leave. I don't know. But because people want to know so much about this technology, I spend a lot of that, and I'm going to call it sales call, right? When someone books time with me, it's pretty much a hot lead. They want to talk about doing work with us. So it's a hot lead. Um, I spend a lot of it actually explaining the tech. Well, that's why we've built and designed the Making Awesome Academy. Um, I was supposed to be filming it this weekend, but I have some extenuating circumstances that mean that is not going to happen. You all will hear about it eventually, but I have a really big thing that I'm doing this weekend, uh, which is kind of weird, but sure, whatever. Uh, those of you that know, do not put it in the comments because it is not public information that I am doing this thing. Uh, but I know some of you in the comments know what I'm doing and all of that. But either way, um, ultimately, we found that we spent a lot of time educating, not a whole lot of time selling. So we're going to have the Making Awesome Academy, which is our learning management system that is going to solve this problem, especially when we look at inventors. Inventors are one of the big target markets that we serve that needs a lot of assistance. And maybe that's just because they want their hand held. I don't know. It's not my place to, to start pushing that, but they need a lot of information. And when a lot of them don't even know their own customer persona, which we've talked about in previous episodes of this podcast, it's difficult for me as the business owner to tell them. So the Making Awesome Academy is going to be designed specifically for inventors to start. And then it will, um, you know, move into other subjects. So we will be, you know, asking you guys what other classes that you want, but these will be paid classes, right? Free content on YouTube, paid classes at the MAA. And the goal there is that you get a deeper dive with more uh, attention, I guess, because these are going to be very, very uh, specific classes on specific things. So that's my problem and that's my solution. Now, is it going to solve my end problem? Who the hell knows? I, I honestly don't know. So how to say no is probably one of the most complicated things. Uh, there's a book all about it. I think it's The Art of No, maybe. I don't know. I'm wrong. I've never read it, but I, I know I know it's a good book for this. I, I've learned a lot of things the hard way. See, I that's why the title is I've made a lot of mistakes, so you don't have to. And yeah, it's a it's a complicated one. Filament Story says, "Are you scanning maybe Hooters staff?" You said you could ask anything. I am not. I have before, but I am not. Um, they're just regular people just because they work for Hooters doesn't mean they're not regular people just saying uh but okay the art of the no is a big deal Pooch just talked about it on his podcast as well maker that money go over to Repcord's YouTube channel subscribe there his podcast is amazing very business focused all about maker stuff and uh 
it is complicated to say no because especially when you're just starting, right? You adopt this ideology of if the money is there, I don't care. And in some cases, that's totally true. But a $20 job that requires like two hours worth of meetings is not worth your time. It never will be. And it shouldn't ever be. Your time is more valuable than that. When we look at no, it is very, very, very tough to say no. I get it. You need the money. You got to pay bills. You want to pay yourself at some point. But there will be projects where saying no is the right move. Um, I, I said yes to a project we should have said no to about a month ago. But I did it because it's a very good buddy of mine who needed a lot of help. I reached out to our staff first to verify that they had the throughput to do it. And objectively, I think we knocked it out of the friggin' park. Um, now there's, of course, a lot of changes that need to be made to it. And now we have an extended timeline. But I still believe that we knocked it out of the park. Now, it ran one of our staff pretty much rampant. I mean, he was really kind of not having it. But it is what it is, right? It happens. It made sense for us because this is a guy that I've worked with for like four years now. And when someone that you've worked with for four years says, I need a favor, you just do it. You just do it. And unless that favor is like really, really bad, then you don't do it. But yeah, you know, be careful. I don't want you guys to just say yes, 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 yes to every job because there are a lot of jobs out there that suck. Um, HackMonkey says Trevor recently showed he was doing a lot of repair work. While I know there is a demand for repair, not sure there is enough margin for repairing an Ender type machine. That is correct. Uh, we charge a minimum $65 bench fee. I won't even look at your printer unless you're going to give me 65 bucks because it's a, it, it's so much effort. And when a brand new Ender will run $200 or so, it doesn't make sense. It does not make sense to do it. And I tell people that. I tell people with Enders, hey, it doesn't make sense. He, but here's what I think is wrong. And a lot of times I can send them to the making, uh, not the making awesome, I can send them to the uh, Print and Fix Friday series and they can generally find what they're looking for in there. But it is a complicated thing to really understand it. Um, are you guys getting buffering, by the way? Uh, YouTube is yelling at me saying, please use a keyframe frequency of four or less. I have it set to auto. So I, I, I don't know. You guys will have to tell me. Um, let me know if you guys are getting any buffering. If you are, I can go and change the keyframes, but it's set to auto. Anyways. No buffering. Okay, cool. All right, then it's just YouTube being YouTube. Got it. So saying no to those difficult projects is going to be complicated. And I don't want people to think, oh, okay, eh. I was also worried because the, the Artemis launch was supposed to go uh, go today. And I'm like, oh, I might just uh, call in from my phone and go outside and finish the podcast and show you guys the launch. I'm over in Tampa. I'm on the other side of the state, but I can see Falcon 9s from here. 
Um, they look like little angry candles going up into the sky, but the launch was just scrubbed, so it is not happening today. Uh, but cool. Oh, uh, apparently it's scrubbed completely, so maybe they pushed it. I don't know. I thought it was scrubbed completely. Either way. Uh, I, that was my backup. It's like, grab my phone. My phone's like at full charge so I can go outside and, and watch the lodge and podcast. <laughs> I just got a message saying that it was scrubbed. Um, so yeah, they had a, they had a, they have a leak in the hydrogen something or other. I don't know who knew, uh, it's difficult to put things into space. Um, anyways, <laughs> SLS scrub launch system. Look, I've lived in Florida long enough. Scrub launchers are just kind of a thing, but saying no to projects, uh, is it's healthy. Don't run yourself in projects that don't make sense. And when they, when you are a little wary about the project itself, collect up front. If you, if you're looking at this product saying, Hmm, I can do this, but the client's a little shady collect up front. That's our policy right now. Unless you've been working with me for over six months and you've paid your bills on time, you pay up front period, or you're a government agency because then you pay, right? You, there's a contract you pay, but individuals have a tendency not to pay their bills. And so I've learned that one the hard way too. Many times, uh, it's God, last year we had like $7,000 of unpaid work, just people that ghost us. Um, now I repossess their IP and then I release it open source online. So whatever patents they did have are null and voided because we did all of the work. Um, and we had one, we had one company try to come after us for it. And I said, pay your bill. You didn't pay your bill. And their lawyer sent me a message. I sent their lawyer back saying they didn't pay their bill. They had 180 days. They were notified five different times. They refused to pay their bill. I repossessed the intellectual property and I don't need it. So I'm going to open source it. Well, you can't do that. They have a patent. I said, I absolutely can do that because it's my own creation. And they can go straight to hell. So. Not fun, but it is what it is, right? You kind of have to understand that those are going to be situations that you deal with. Um, I don't take on products anymore that are, uh, let's go with high value, but low possibility of success. Um, this is common with the inventor market where an inventor will come to us. They'll have an idea but they don't know their target market or everything, I will say, I can't help you right now. But if you want me to help you, here are the things you need to do. I basically say, I need you to go through a co-starters program, but just for your invention, not for your business. Because you don't have a business, you have an invention. And that's basically what I'm going to do with the Making Awesome Academy, right? I'm going to keep it in-house, keep all the money in-house, and pre-record the videos and all of that. So there's value there. When we look at the last couple of years, um, we were on track in 2020 to turn like 300K in business um, prior from like 50 the year before, right? We, we, we went from here to just damn near vertical. And I had signed the contract February of 2020. Uh, that was a pretty substantial contract. It was about a quarter of a million dollar a year take or pay contract that would allow us to expand the business overnight. And we all know what happened in March, April, uh, May, June, July. Now we're in 2022 and Florida never really acknowledged that it existed, but the, in, the company that we did the contract with absolutely did. And, uh, 
that is how you have an act of God clause in a contract uh, get utilized and you watch 16 months of your life evaporate when you're trying to bring in that client. So it is what it is, right? That was a don't put all your eggs in one basket. Now, the basket I put mine in was one of the largest defense contractors in the world. So, like, that's a pretty good basket to put your eggs in. And I'll tell you, they didn't teach anything about planning for global um, shutdowns in business school. But I bet you they do now. <laughs> um so Hackmonkey says, all new clients pay in advance. I also noticed I got paid way better once I finally started accepting credit cards. Yeah, you need to always make sure that you accept credit cards. Do not accept PayPal as a business. It is it is a disaster. PayPal will randomly just lock your account for 90 to 120 days because fuck you, that's why. PayPal does not care about small businesses. They are not good for small businesses. Do not use PayPal. They are bad for your business. And if you don't believe me, go look at all the horror stories of businesses that used PayPal and had like 10 grand locked up for six months. That's 10 grand they can't use to pay their rent, pay their staff, pay themselves. That's 10 grand they must now float personally while they also just deal with the massive snafu that is, I must now change payment processors. Now, a lot of people will say just use QuickBooks. I totally agree. Use QuickBooks. QuickBooks will integrate, allow you to do invoicing and all that. We have an accountant who likes using Xero, uh, X-E-R-O, um, and I do all my invoicing through Xero. It goes through Stripe. Stripe charges like 3.5% plus a you know fixed fee for every transaction. Any transaction over $1,000, we only accept ACH wire transfers, and that's it. I will not accept anything other than ACH wire transfers uh, for things over a thousand dollars because I don't one I don't want to pay the fees but two I don't want to deal with a chargeback problem um I talked about it on Pooch's podcast I think I've talked about it on this one too but we had a client do a chargeback 11 months after he got the parts like why he said all oh, the parts broke I said that's not my fault you've had them for 11 months that's not cool dude right that, that's just not cool well, you need to do something to make it right. I said, no, I don't. I don't need to do a damn thing to make it right. You broke the parts. I didn't. If you would like, I am happy to cut you a deal on making new ones. But you need to take away this uh, this chargeback. He said, no, I want all my money back, which also includes the custom design. Uh, ultimately, we have a great clause in our terms of service that he decided not to read that states we don't do refunds. So suck it. Now, if I decide I want to do refunds, that's at my discretion. But I've learned very clearly, make sure you have a good terms of service. Make sure that you utilize a proper payment processor so you know that they were the ones that legitimately did it. Because he claimed that it was a fraudulent transaction. And I was able to prove with um, with emails, with uh, you know the back and forths, even emailing him directly all of the invoices, um, that clearly it was not fraudulent. He was being fraudulent himself. Now, I didn't go after him for that. I probably could have, but it's they're just things that aren't worth my time. Um, oh, wow. Okay, Hack Monkey, you do know about it. They locked up 10000 on him and owed $7,000 to a vendor in 15 days. Yeah, let me guess. You borrowed money from a family member or something like that to make it happen. Um, Ostrike is asking if this guy was an individual or a business owner or was an individual. And yes, I did Uno reverse card him, Zach. Uh, 
Hey, Zach, how you doing? I should mod you since you're one of our staff. I'm going to do that. Congratulations. You're now a mod. Um, don't abuse your power. <laughs> but yeah, it was an individual. Um, we don't have any issues with businesses, right? Businesses are normally willing to um, talk it out, right? Um, like we have, a, we have one of our clients who I don't have to work very hard to work with them, but they never pay on time. Like they're at least always seven days late. Um, so the, our contract with them is coming up for renegotiation uh, on the 15th of the month. So I'm going to negotiate that instead of net 21, they now have net seven because I know they're not going to pay on time. So maybe I will get it net 21 instead. Uh, and they're going to bitch and moan. And I'm going to say, I have historically tracked every single time that you've sent me a check. And it has always been at least a week late. Now, this company is one that also still mails checks. I don't know why. I give them the option to pay with a credit card, but they still mail me checks, which I appreciate. But don't, they're in the state. It takes a day. Don't do that to me, right? You're, you're, you're just being lazy. Like, I just got a check today, or yesterday, I guess, for an invoice that was due at the beginning of last month. They waited all month to pay me because maybe, I don't know why, but I just got the check today. So, whatever. Build on Sound says checks are annoying as hell. I don't really mind them. Um, I, you know, you, you can deposit them with your phone, so it works out. Uh, Kit says nepotism. No, nepotism would be if Zach was uh, one of my kids, which technically he's young enough to be a kid of mine, but he lives in the UK and I have rare, I have not spent a lot of time in the UK and I don't know Zach outside of Zoom calls. This is getting weird very quickly. Uh, Philemon Stories says, if you're doing social media business with companies, always get paid before you post the content. That doesn't mean they get to see the content. That doesn't mean they don't get to see it beforehand. Right? Yeah. That doesn't mean they get to see the content beforehand. Once it's out, get payment. getting payment is harder. It totally is. We've seen this a lot, right? As we've grown the YouTube business, um, I don't have anybody that, like, we don't have any paid sponsors, um, like, in that way. We don't have companies that are sending us money to review products or something like that. Not that we would take money for a review. I would take money from a company that is a sponsorship where we utilize their products in our videos, but I would not take money for a review that is unethical. But um, Snapmaker is probably the best example of this, right? I lambasted them, absolutely lambasted them in my review. And... I really want to do an update on it and say you should not buy this printer. It is absolute horse shit. And quite frankly, I'm looking at giving mine away. Um, now, I'm going to see if it works okay as a mill. I know the laser's going to suck, but I have an 80-watt CO2 laser that might be broken. Um, I hope it's not because I need to make some business cards. And I did wait till the last minute to do this. So that one's on me. But, you know, it happens. But yeah, it, it, it was they got real mad at me. Uh, they sent me some not-so-nice emails. I sent them back some not-so-nice responses. It's not my job to let them know ahead of time that their printer sucks. It's not my job to tell them that, hey, you know your thermistors are only held in with wire pressure? They knew. Hey, you know your system uses bang-bang instead of PID? Well, yeah, that seems like it worked best for us. You clearly don't know your market. Your market clearly does not want this. Nobody has used bang-bang since the LulzBot Taz 6, and that was a mistake from LulzBot's part. And before that, God, we were using PID when I built some of my first printers. When we were building like Mendel's back in the day and RepRaps, we were still, we were using PID back then. So 
yeah, it, it, it's rough. Um, and I agree. Zach said, to be honest, before that review, I thought Snapmaker were legit. I did too. They have a gorgeous printer and I'll give them credit. Their packaging is beautiful, but they say it's eco-friendly. And yet there is, that is the most packaging I've ever had on a printer. Um, I've been emailing them back and forth a little bit, but they're basically blaming um, a bent lead screw, which means it was done at the factory because their stuff is packed so well, there's no chance it got bent in shipping. Uh, they're blaming bed flex, which is correct. It is flexing, but they say it shouldn't flex. Obviously, they don't know what uh, thermal expansion means, but it, it, this is a, it's a marketing company that makes a 3D printer. Joel Telling himself has said it. Um, the only eco-friendly printer is baking a cake. I don't know about that. I, I, I don't even know how that's a printer, but either way, build on sound sets. I work for a health insurance company who works globally everywhere rather than have bank and wire transfers, USA checks, so many checks. Yeah, that's fair. When you're a big business, checks can be a massive pain in the ass. Um, and I totally get it. Just make sure you have a good way to accept money. And understand those fees you can write off at the end of the year, but you must float that from the beginning. Some water. Okay. All right. So money. Know what you're worth. In the beginning, our prices were like, two or 300% less than they are now. And I have people that I spend time around that say, you're way too expensive. You know, you're, I can buy all of this for this much and it costs me this much to print and I'll print for people for this much. I said, good for you. Go ahead. You have like four printers. You have a day job that you make a ton of money doing. You don't have a business. You have a hobby. I have a business or I'm trying to do trying to have a business. Um, and so I need to charge more, right? I have 14 people that work with me all across the world, right? We have the United States, Canada, the UK, and the Netherlands represented in our company. Um, Zach says, I need to do an ANET A8 review for the lulls. I was supposed to get one from a viewer who actually had their ANET catch fire. And we've never found a good time to get together because they're like two hours south of me. Um, but if they still have it, I'm supposed to get it and I'm going to let it catch fire. Uh, and we're going to talk about why thermal runaway is a good thing to have. But it did actually catch fire on them. Uh, and hilariously, I told them that it was going to catch fire like months before it even did. They said, yeah, I got an A8. I said, get rid of it now. They're fire hazards. Oh, no, it seems to be fine. Yep. Yep. Thank God they were in the room when it happened. They're like, smells like something's burning. And then they realized the A-net was smoking. And right as they looked, the damn thing caught fire. They popped a fire extinguisher and they they, they put it out. Right? So there's a good lesson. Don't use shitty printers. When we first started, we were using Wanhouse. We had made a deal with um, a local 3D printing company to basically run the entire technical support division of their company in exchange for having like a dozen printers that we didn't have to pay for. Right? So it was it was a quid pro quo. Um, those printers were fine at the time. But as soon as the Mark II came out, I should have adopted the Mark IIs pretty much instantly. 
Um, mind you, this was 2014, right? There or 2016. There wasn't a lot of good, like, ready to go kits on the market. So that is that was different back then. Now you can Ender's didn't exist. Creality did not exist. Wanhow was Creality back then. They were producing a 3D printer for $400, and that was a steal. The problem was they had no thermal runaway protection. They had, you know, PTFE-lined tubes. They used Mark 8 extruders, which Creality still use, which is funny. But they were direct drive, which I still laugh at. They, they were direct drive. They didn't have a way to tension the belts, but they had a spring on the belt, which if you don't recognize the problem in that, it means a spring can stretch. And that means if you move your printer very fast, you get really bad ringing because the belts themselves are stretching and ringing. Um, and they had warp build plates, like they had real thin aluminum build plates. Uh, they weren't great printers, but back then, this is what we had, right? Going over to a Perusa, clicking print and walk away is amazing. Uh, I made this part last night. Uh, I took me two prototypes. Here's, here's prototype number one. Um, and I started this piece before I went to bed. And uh, I didn't even check the first layer. I just started and went to bed. It was great. Uh, but that, this is, it's a, uh, it's a power cord keeper. So it keeps the power cord from pulling out of this power supply. This is the power supply to our Artec Eva. And for some reason, the power cord is really loose. So I 3D printed something that makes it not loose anymore. And it's a little bit of armor for the, I kid you not, $140 power supply. But it's a 12 volt power supply that uses a unique connector. I have not been able to find the connector. I have some new things today because yeah it's a thing uh let's see we got a bunch of questions uh build on sound says by the way you're going to do a more in-depth video about uv tools the plan is to do it at some point i don't know when uh but it is in the docket for things we're going to have coming up uh build on sound says why i'd rather deal with sla instead of pla you know there is some value to resin printing, but I've talked I, I talked about it in Print Fix Friday. I'll talk about it more here. The democratization of 3D printing has been done in a way that I don't like. We have brought the prices down for the machines, but we've kept the education requirement the same. We have not provided better classes. Prusa is starting to do this finally, which I'm very happy about, um, which is great because they're one of the best manufacturers out there. Um, no, Zach, 3D scanners don't run on mains. It's 12 volts, two and a half amps. Um, but the power cable to the, uh, to the brick, this is a charger brick. Oh, the scanner's back in the box. Like the scanner was out. This is just the power brick for it. it it's not the scanner. Um, but yeah, we, we, we've lowered the cost of entry, but we haven't lowered the education and the companies that have lowered the cost of entry have not provided any education at all. And so what do people do? They go to Facebook, they go to YouTube, they go to Reddit, and by and large, all the information is not consistent. And that means people have shitty experiences. Resin specifically, I'm not a fan of for newbies because resin is toxic. I I, I, I don't have a way to do this remotely without an editor, so sorry. You just imagine the boom, boom, boom as I say it with it coming up on screen. Anyways, um... I'm really not okay with resin printing being as cheap as it is. Now, don't get me wrong. I have benefited heavily from it. We have 11 resin printers that I've paid less than $500 for each of them. 
But the problem is that I have 11 resin printers that I paid less than $500 for each. Uh, there is a Forum 3 in Orlando for $1,800. I am really tempted. Um, but the ecosystem, wash and cure stations are only relatively recent, but resin printers have been cheap for quite a while. And we're going to do a video on this. The danger for particulate, like breathing it in, smelling it, is not during printing. UL did a study on this. It's like multiple thousands of percent more problematic during the wash and cure cycles than it is during printing. Yeah, it's kind of crazy. And when UL does a study, I'm assuming UL is going to be really pushing out some heavy regulations here pretty soon regarding resin and how it's handled. Uh, but as grant advises, I didn't run it. Oh, okay, having an A net. Yep. The update the firmware. Kit got a CR10 mini. Didn't get much use out of it except when the mini was down. Didn't get much use out of the ANET. Got it. Grant, what do you prefer? SLA to PLA? If so, why? Oh, hey, I guess I already answered that question. Um, SLA or FDM, right? SLA stereolithography additive. Um, PLA is polylactic acid. It's a type of plastic that is used in FDM. Um, I much prefer FDM over SLA. But I think that SLA, MSLA, whatever, oop, hit the microphone, sorry, SLA, MSLA, etc. They have their place, but I think for the average user, even the average inventor, they don't need it. They don't need the effort that is involved with resin. And I prefer FDM where I can just go rip off my supports, put them into a thing to recycle, and I'm done. With resin, I have to take the thing off. I have to turn the build plate, let it drain. Then I got to go put it in the wash and cure station. Then I got to pull it out of the wash and cure station, let it drip dry for a while. Then I got to pull all my support material off while I'm wearing gloves, mind you. Then I have to go cure it. Then I have to sand it. Then I have to make sure I don't have anything. It is so much extra work because the level of detail that is expected on a resin print is much higher than that expected on an FDM print. Me, I like FDM. Now, I prefer professional grade resin. Uh, Polyjet specifically, and I have an Object 30 Alaris. You guys have never seen it on the channel. You've actually never seen either of my high-end professional printers. We have a Z Corp 650, uh, which is a full-color sandstone printer, which we are looking to sell. So if someone's looking for a thousand-pound, ninety-thousand-dollar retail 3D printer, hit me up because I'm looking to sell it for like 30k. Um, but yeah, I I much prefer FDM. SLA or high detail resin on the professional side is so much better. Um, they have a support material and a build material and the support material is similar to PVA where it's, uh, it, it dissolves in water, but you need to add lye to it. Um, caustic soda, uh, which is dangerous to your hands. Um, but a lot of these also come with a wash station, which has big gloves, a recirculating tank of fluid and a pressure washer that is used to pressure wash off the support material. That's how the Object 30 works. And it's amazing. It works so damn well. Uh, but, you know, you're paying like 200% more for your raw materials. So, um, $1,000 for... If you can find a Polyjet printer for 1,000 pounds, you should buy it. Uh, assuming it still works. Polyjets are really delicate. 
They require a lot of maintenance, and as the name states, they have multiple jets, which can get clogged, and they're a bitch to unclog, so be careful. Um, ben Stanley is asking if I'll be doing a review on the Anycubic Cobra Go, if they send me one. Uh, I am not in contact with Anycubic, and if someone does have a contact there and they want me to review those printers, someone make the email. Uh, YouTube at 3dmusketeers.com. Introduce me to somebody. Um, I don't really go after companies to do reviews at this point. I did, I really wanted the FLSON 400, uh, because I have a really fun video idea with it. But yeah, uh, actually, one of our patrons is coming by the shop today. He's going to be dropping off a Anycubic Viper that he is just having a tough time with and he doesn't want it anymore. So uh, we're going to do a we're going to do a bit. It's going to be a funny bit uh, that is going to involve throwing things for this printer. And uh, that's going to be part of an upcoming video where we look at. I'm going to dedicate a print. I don't know if he knows. This. I'm going to dedicate a print fix writing to it. Uh, and it's going to be me just shitting on him the entire time. Uh, he's a good sport. He knows I'm going to make fun of him in the video, but I don't think he knows I'm going to make it a print fix Friday. Uh, anyways. But yeah, I don't I don't have a contact with any cubic. Um, I'm not in touch with them. Uh, so if someone does want me to review it, hit him up and say, hey, we, we want 3D Musketeers to review this video or review this printer. I'll be happy to do it. Uh... A large amount of knowledge is still required for CNC machining, so it's going to be a while before 3D printing is a cakewalk. I don't expect 3D printing to be a cakewalk, nor do I expect CNC machining, but there are dedicated schools and platforms and programs to go through, like Haas. They sell CNC machines. They have the Haas program, which you can go through as a standard person. It's free to learn the basic operation skills of a Haas CNC mill or lathe or whatever, because their control systems are basically the same. That's it. That's valuable, right? And Haas gets a lot of the newbies because Haas's are easy to use. When you start looking at high-end CNC, there is no training at all. You know how you get trained? You pay for classes from your reseller. Your resellers are the ones that expect to do the training. So DMG Mori, Herco, um, I'm trying to think of some of the other ones. I used to be big into CNC, but it's been a long time since I've done any like hard milling. Um I have access to some big CNC mills, and one day maybe we'll do a video showing you guys the five-axis mill that we have access to. That is, its build volume is measured in feet. It's 22 by 17 by 6.5 feet, and it's a five-axis. It's gorgeous. It's really fun to watch. Uh, I didn't realize how innovative the Prusa CL CW1 was until now. Zach, if you have experience with Prusa resin printers, there is somebody in our Discord who... Uh, would love to talk to you. Um, go look at the 3D printing channel in our Discord. By the way, if you guys want to come hang out with the Musketeers, uh, you can go join our Patreon, patreon.com slash 3 Musketeers. Links, of course, are always in that description down below. At the $10 tier, higher gets you access to our uh, Discord. And, well, considering it's the third of the month, it's the best time to start supporting those content creators that you like the most. Uh, let's see. I got a Saturn II via a deal with a co-worker of mine. He was a... He will sponsor me the printer and I will send him a print every month I, until he thinks I paid it off. I got a month and he says I'm halfway. Well, that's the great thing about having value and understanding what the parts are worth. You had a buddy that gave you a $500 printer. You should print him more than, 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 than he's, you know, willing to buy from you for free, right? Resin is cheap. Resin is real cheap. I buy Soraya Tech Fast Grade. They don't sponsor me. I wish they did. Um... 
and you know a, a a liter of resin is like 40 bucks and you'll get a lot of really gorgeous models out of it so hook them up it's worth it uh high detail tabletop miniatures sla everything else fdm i agree with all strike there um you know realistically minis and that kind of thing you're just not gonna be able to do in fdm so it's got to be resin um and yes it is an aqua sandblaster from what i heard the j850 has only about 50 percent reliability a j850 is like six hundred thousand dollars the big thing with high-end industrial printers is you must keep them running if you let them sit they fail all the time if you run them constantly they're totally fine uh your alstrak says your ninety thousand dollar printer how old is the design and what are its capabilities it is a full color sandstone printer so it's a cjp uh color jet printing it was mine is a z corp edition uh that was before 3d systems bought z corp in 2011 so my machine is at least 11 years old it has been fully upgraded the internals to a projet 660 pro which is 3d systems version of it however the machines are effectively identical they do the exact same quality they use the exact same materials they upgraded the motherboard and some of the ancillary cards on it uh and i did that upgrade uh when our printer was still under maintenance so we the maintenance contracts on them are about nine thousand a year if you don't want to touch it or forty five hundred dollars a year if you want parts so and then you do all the maintenance yourself so yeah pretty problematic uh oh good build on sound system a box with 25 prints by the way all right Let's get back into some of these failures because I, I have tangented heavy on some of those questions. Um, pivoting. Let's talk about pivoting. It is really easy to pivot a 3D printing business. Um, literally, I could decide tomorrow that I want to do something different. Maybe I want to, I don't know, 3D print uh, cable connectors. And that's my new business. Done. Because the people that I work with don't change. The machines I use don't change, generally speaking. It is who I'm working with changes. And so from a business standpoint, other than like updating your website and working on a new social media campaign or marketing campaign, um, yeah, that's it. There's really not much um, to do to do that. Uh, what is Chris saying? Chris is saying terrain or functional prints go FDM. I said, I'll sell it to you. Might be fun to get it out of the house. No, actually, the um, the CJP, the Z Corp, is in full uh, shipping mode. It is ready to be shipped. So, and I have crates for it, uh, so I can ship it wherever people want. Uh, when hashtag three Musketeers in Europe? Uh, I don't know. Um, it's uh, last time I traveled to Europe was two thousand and eight. So uh, I, I don't know when I'm going to go back to Europe. Uh, maybe maybe one that we can grow the channel enough to get like sponsor to go to a European show. That would be fun. Uh, but then, yeah, we would do a Euro tour at that point. Um, but yeah, let's talk about that pivoting thing. Don't pivot your business so much. Understand your target market. We did this, right? Um, now, we made appropriate pivots, right? When everything happened and the world shut down in 2020. I can't say exactly what happened because YouTube looks for those words and will like demonetize videos with it in there or consider it, um, you know, fake news or whatever. So uh, you're going to see me skirt around it. I, I might say it's a Sharona. Um, my, 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 my Sharona. Oh, uh, 
This is the things that we cut out of the regular videos that you guys get during the podcast. Um, during all of that, we shut down the shop for three weeks and we produce PPE 24 hours a day for three weeks. Now, we pivoted for that because we have the ability to, right? Um, and I'll tell you what our target market was when we first started, which was doing 3D scans and 3D prints of people, is very different than what it is now, right? I want contracts with medical device companies, inventors, insurance companies. That's what I want now. Um, I don't want to work. I don't want to just scan people and print them. Um, and what we've done, and it's kind of a weird thing, right? Um, we let our customers kind of dictate our target market. Cause if you get like six people from the medical device industry that want to do work with you, maybe you should be paying attention to the medical device industry. Uh, food packaging is another one that I never really expected, but they found us and they said, could you do this? I said, yes, we can. Yeah. And, uh, we do, we do a lot for the food packaging industry. A lot of the, uh, food, food companies here in Tampa that are located and, uh, headquartered here in Tampa, we've rebranded all of their packaging. That's pretty damn cool to say that. Um, it's, it's just one of those, I never thought we would be doing that. I love it. It's a lot of fun because I get to go to these restaurants when they have all of their, um, all of their uh, new packaging. I get to say, I made that. And sometimes I'll bring in some of the, the prototypes that I have and I'll take pictures of the real thing next to the prototype. And it's just so cool to see. It is objectively just cool to see. Uh, Zach said, come to the UK, visit E3D, and I'll come along too. I would love to. I would love to. I would love to. I love Europe. I just want to get out of Florida. <laughs> Florida kind of sucks. Uh, but, you know, it is what it is. But you got to be careful. If you pivot your business too much, people won't know what it is you do. Um, that happened to us. They're like, so what do you do? I'm like, I make stuff. Okay, but what do you do? I make stuff. Okay, but what do you do? I make stuff, right? That's what we do. We make stuff. And, you know, when people really ask what it is, what is 3D Musketeers? We are a professional storytelling company. We help you tell your story, whatever that story might be. If you're an inventor, it's an idea that you've had. If you're a business, it's solving a problem. And we don't ghostwrite it for you. We help you put pen on paper and we kind of, you know, the, 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 the scene with the clay from Ghost, right? That's what we do. We help you, just not as awkward. Uh, we help you put pen on paper and write your story. We are a very minor tale in the grand scheme of someone's life or their product or whatever, but we leave a lasting impact. We hope, generally speaking, that we can leave it in better shape than when we found it. You know, the whole Boy Scout motto and that kind of thing. There is value to that. But that doesn't really tell that we are a product development company. And I'll say we are making a pretty big pivot here in the next six months. With the MAA coming out, and it is something that I am actively pushing, uh, we are going to be transitioning from a company that does 3D printing to a product development company that has an education specialty. So we are going to specialize in making products for people, whether you're a small business or an inventor, I don't care. 
and we educate you along the way, which is something none of our competitors do. That is a big place for us to be able to segment ourselves from our competition. And if our competition wants to use the Making Awesome Academy and send their clients to it, I'm fine with that. But it's full of my branding. So good luck. Um, again, that goal, and it's a sales funnel, right? The MAA is a paid sales funnel. Because we found that we spend so much time educating that we, we're educators, we're teachers, we're not 3D printers, we're teachers. And if you find yourself at the top of this funnel and you're getting thrown out for some reason, well, maybe you got to go back to the drawing board. It will self-regulate itself, which is pretty cool. Uh, what is the late, what is the least expensive 3d scanner you think is viable for a business? I'm a few minutes behind, sadly. Huh? I have a Revo point mini coming in. Um, I don't know when. Actually, let me refresh the page and see if I can figure out when. Um, it is in transit, so it has shipped from Hong Kong. Or actually, let me see where it shipped from. Yes, it is shipped from Hong Kong, and it departed Hong Kong on the 1st. So I don't know when it's getting to me, but I do have a RevoPoint Mini coming. I backed it via Kickstarter. I figured the price point was low enough that I'll take a hit on it and not care if it doesn't show up. Um, but if it does show up, I have a really cool video where I compare it to something that is what 20 times its price, the Artec EVA. So I will be curious to see how that performs, but honestly, it depends on what you're trying to scan. If you're going for metrology grade, go rent a scanner or pay a company to do it. If you just need a facsimile of what something looks like, Polycam is amazing for like only a couple of bucks a month. I am trying to work with Polycam to do a video on it, comparing it to my EVA. And seeing how it performs. Because uh, honestly, Polycam has gotten really, really good. Um, and especially if you have uh, newer Apple devices with LiDAR built in, Polycam does a very good job, all things considered. Okay, sorry. When we look at this pivot though, right? We pivoted to add 3D scanning December of last year. It's because I got a good deal on the scanners and I know I can resell them for way more than I paid. Should I not be able to feel comfortable in paying them off? I feel pretty comfortable right now in paying them off. We're getting some really good work. Uh, I got to scan a spot dog in two weeks, which is pretty cool. I've scanned it once before, but now we're going to spray it. Uh, we're going to use some A-sub, I think, scanning spray to scan a spot dog, which is objectively pretty effing cool. Uh, you know, it's fun. Uh, and these are just companies that are finding us. And as we do more scanning content on YouTube, those are videos that we will use for marketing purposes as well. So you guys might see some that are like way different than videos you're used to. It's because they're also marketing videos for 3D Musketeers. So I apologize, but smoke me if you got them, right? I've got all the equipment. Um, and I'm told we're going to be getting a really cool piece of equipment in the mail, uh, which will be pretty amazing. Um, but yeah, anyways, pivoting is complicated. Don't sit there. Like, I used to dance. Uh, for those who don't know, I, I used to dance. I was a swing dancer, salsa, bachata, merengue. I used to dance. Uh, and that was before my back injury. I haven't danced since. And the big thing with dancing is knowing how to pivot, right? Knowing how to pivot your body on a point. Normally it's one of your feet pivoting with the center point being one of your legs. Um, if you do that too much, that's bad. Somebody just knocked on my door. Let me verify what's going on. 
Give me just a second. It's Amazon. They can leave it. Okay. <laughs> Sorry. Sometimes we randomly get people knocking on the door, and I'm expecting one of our patrons to come by today. So it's just one of those cases. Let me just make sure they don't need me for whatever reason. They're walking away, so I assume we're cool. Okay. Build on Sound says, I had an idea of reaching out to a local dentist to see if they maybe wanted dentures printed. Think it's a good idea. No, I do not. Um, you, uh, you need dental resin. Dental resin is about $1,000 a liter uh, cost, right? I've got a 250 of some um, that I've tested for a dentist, and they never got back to me. Sent them samples, never heard back. They sent me the resin for free, so I don't really care. Uh, no skin off my ass, but... Uh, resin that is certified for dental use is expensive. And if you use regular resin, it's not going to work. And dentures specifically, I would stick to doing them the old school way. They need more than just resin. Now, if you want to do temporary crowns in resin, that's great. A lot of dentists are doing that with dental resin. And I know that Soraya Tech Blue was just certified by the FDA for external use on the human body. It is not certified for internal uh, and that's why some of these resins get very expensive because they're certified for internal use. Out of context, sounds like you tried to scan a dog. It moved too much to work. So now you're coming back to glue it still to try again. No, Spot Dog from Boston from Boston Dynamics. They're, uh, they're robotic dog. That's what I'm going to scan. Um, yeah. Must not be able to get the 3D model from the parent company for the spot. Yeah, no, uh, Boston Dynamics said absolutely not. We're not sending it to you. Uh, I reached out and the company that owns two of these spot dogs uh, got nothing from them either. They spent over a hundred grand on each of these dogs and like Boston Dynamics says screw off. Uh, so yeah, you know, I'll uh, I'll scan it. Chris Callis says, I've seen biocompatible resin for 400 a, kilo, uh, 400 a kilogram. I would like to see their certifications and what they're classified as. Because biocompatible, a lot of times means external use, which Soraya Tech Blue is. And that's like, what, $70 a kilo? That's no big deal. Um, Filament Story says that their dentist firmly believes that FDM will work. He doesn't understand supports and resolution. He keeps wanting me to print a sample for him because he hates resin printing. FDM will not work for resin print. Uh, FDM will not work for dental work. Do not try it. Do not pass go. Do not collect $200. It is dangerous. Do not do it. Full stop. Anyways. Pivoting is, is something that you need to be careful of doing, right? Obviously, Look at the ebb and flow of the economy, especially your local economy. Start small, start local, right? I am known locally as the guy that does 3D printing or one of the guys that does 3D printing. It is um, different because those that know 3D printing know me. Those that don't know 3D printing have no idea who I am. And that's why when we look at pivoting to an education-based uh, product development company, the 3D printing becomes just part of the process not the end goal. Right now, 3D printing is the end goal. It's not going to be in the future. So most likely, our farm is not going to get much bigger for a while unless it's from the YouTube channel or deals. Like, I just bought a CR30 for, like, damn near nothing. Like, less than $400 bought a CR30. Um, 
3DHP says, where was my store in Florida? It was in the Wiregrass Mall, about 30 minutes north of Tampa, Florida. Um, so I am up in the Wesley Chapel area. Coasters and denters, dear Lord, have mercy. You all have terrible ideas. And Zach, don't take that into a business. Just don't do that. That's a bad move. Um, but yes, pivoting, you got to be careful. It is so easy to say, oh, I can do this. I can do this. And you, and you have the shiny object syndrome where you're chasing the dragon of different customers, right? We got a gorgeous job from the University of Florida last year. It was like a $10,000 print job. And my, you know, like in my, in my, my wallet's like, go, 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 go do more of these, go do more of these. And then I'm like, no, they already know who we are. I'm not going to go through all the effort to try to get involved with all of these uh, universities when a lot of them already have their own 3d printers the reason uf came to us for these 3d prints is because the school was closed for the summer and they didn't have access to the lab so they came to us out of necessity not because they wanted to because of course we were more expensive but they did it because they needed to and if that's the case don't chase that dragon because you're gonna waste a bunch of time know where your money comes from I've done a lot of B2C work, and B2C is fine. It's boring, but it's fine. I want to do B2B because B2B, that's business to business versus business to consumer. Business to business means I get more money. I can charge businesses more than I can charge consumers. We did a part for a guy uh, for his pinball machine. Um, it's like a $60 part, right? And that $60 part does not pay my bills. Now, it was not a lot of filament, so I made good money on that part. But when you look at it from a grand scheme of how much work do I have in it, if, you know, 10 minutes in doing the custom supports, six hours in the print, you know, 10, 15 minutes in removing the support material, 10 minutes in packing it, and then uh, 30 minutes round trip to ship it, 60 bucks is not worth it. It's just not worth it. Now, Looking at the medical company that we work with, they just sent me an invoice. They sent me a purchase order for $336. It's two prints. They take 19 hours each. I have done them so many times. I have the, the CAD files are like ready to go. And they come off. I rip all the support material off because it's really nicely done. And then I put it in a box and I ship it. And I make 300 bucks for, and I can run two printers to do it and I'll have it done in a day. And they don't need these until the 20th. I haven't even started them. I've had that PO for like three, three weeks at least because I don't need to. Because we've gotten down to a point where it makes sense and we're able to produce things in a reasonable standpoint. Uh, Build on Sound says, I heard there are no 3D printing businesses in my area, which is Glasgow. You think I should take advantage of it and spread like posters at local shops or what? <sighs> That's a tough one. You have So just because there's nobody around you that does it doesn't mean that there's a need for it. You have to verify if there's a need for it. Now, you might be good to put up a website, maybe do some paid advertising to some local areas, find uh, engineering firms you can walk into and say, hey, you don't know me and I don't really know you, but I would love if you guys don't have that already to be your 3D printing provider. This is what I'm capable of. Here are some samples. And if you're really baller, bring a printer uh, and set it up on the table. Because a lot of engineering firms, you can basically call and see if they have a 3D printer. They might tell you, they might not. 
but be a baller and bring a printer. It's always fun when you can just slap a printer on the table, click print. And while you're doing your spiel, the printer is there to do it. Oh, it's, it's Glasgow. I thought it was Glasgow. Okay. Glasgow. Thank you. Uh, anybody ever heard or noticed anything about speed benches on SLA, like hypersensitive resin with 0.1 exposure time? No. And I'm not going to do that. Um, you have to be careful when you bring printers, though. You have to be very, very confident that printer is not going to fail because it fails. You have two ways you can handle it. You can either say, oh, crap, it failed and fix it. Or you can say, this is exactly why you should be outsourcing your stuff to me and understand that, yes, this is my printer and it did and it did fail. But I did just travel here in a car or I walked here or whatever. So it's expected that there's going to be some issues with it. Do you want to deal with this? Do you know what this failure is caused by? And they might say, well, no. Glasgow? Okay. Fine. Everybody's wrong. <laughs> Glasgow. Okay. Is that better? Is that better? Uh, but you go there and say, look, do you guys want to deal with stuff like this or do you want someone that knows what they're doing to deal with it? And I, and yes, totally aware that mine just failed, but I have multiple machines and I would, if you have, you know, emergent jobs, I'll run multiples of them. Maybe you get extras. Uh, B2C requires a bigger customer service department. It does. When you're dealing with consumers, getting the same value out of consumers that I would get out of a business, I need like 10 consumers to one business. And that means I have 10 individual points of contact instead of just one for businesses. And don't get me wrong. I will still take really fun B2C jobs. Like inventors are B2C basically. Um, although a lot of them are going to be B2B by the time they get through the MAA, which is awesome. Um, but I will still do fun B2C jobs. And if we're not busy and it's not really a big deal for me to do it, I'll just do it. You know, whatever. I'd rather have machines running than not having them running. Um, okay, so you've got two machines, hoping to get two more. If I'm going places, I only bring my Prusas, right? I'll throw a mini in my car, I'll slap it on a table, and I'll click print. And I always do vase mode prints. Anytime I go someplace, I'm always doing vase mode prints because I want them to see it being built fast. Uh, there's so much value in that. And if your print takes any longer than 45 minutes, find a way to make it shorter. So, hey, Trevor, you're a 3D Navare. You, you've got a store in a local mall. I started in a local mall too, and it was a disaster. So I'm glad yours is working out for you. Next time I find myself up near Bama, I will have to come and say hi. I'd love to come and like film an episode up there to talk about it, uh, which would be tons of fun, I think, personally. But yeah, dude, congratulations. Um, I have only ever found myself up in Tallahassee. I haven't gone any further than Tallahassee via car, so uh, we'll have to figure it out at some point. Anyways, but yeah, be careful about you know, when you're looking to reach out to people, if you are not ready for it, don't do it. If you don't have a way to accept payments, a way to do accounting, you must, and you're in the, you're in the European union. I, I don't, I don't know how that works for taxes and all that shit. But in the States, if you are trying to work with businesses and you don't have a business, you're going to have a bad time. Don't do it. Have a business and make sure you get an LLC and it's not a sole proprietorship because if it's a sole proprietorship, all of your money, all of your assets, business or personal, can be taken. So don't do that. Be very careful. Zach says sad Brexit noises. Hey, 
your people voted for it. I know you didn't. You're too young. But your people voted for it. You deal with it. Um, anyways. But yeah, make sure you have your ducks in a row if you're going to go after business clients. Because they'll see right through the bullshit. Um, if you can find other people with 3D printers in your area and you can validate they know what they're doing, it might be beneficial for you to have them as outsourcing partners. We do that for a couple of people. Uh, uh, actually, one guy, is I really don't like his company name, but whatever. Uh, and I don't want to say it because I don't know if he watches the podcast, but he outsources all of his 3D printing to us now. He does a lot of CAD work, but he outsources all the 3D printing. He's got his own printers. He just doesn't like doing it. And it's more beneficial for him to focus on what he does best rather than doing something else. So if you find an engineering company that is doing 3D printing, you might go to them and say, hey, do you really want to keep doing this? Or do you want to outsource someone that knows what they're doing? Yes, it's going to cost you more to outsource it, but you basically have a full-time person running your 3D printers. It will cost you less than that to outsource it to me. Something to be aware of. Okay, uh, and that's the how it covers target markets, pivoting your business. We've talked about location, how to say no, negotiating contracts. Negotiating contracts is, um, oh yeah, Trevor does the same thing. I have outsourcing customers. They hire me to print stuff, then tell others they printed it. Yep, yep, we are the people behind the curtain for a lot of companies. And I am totally 100% okay with that. I do not care. I do not care that we do that. It does not matter to me whatsoever. What I care about is that we're able to solve a problem for somebody. We had this from a um, from a viewer. A viewer uh, printed a bunch of these shoes. I have some spares here. Focus. Thank you. Where we started doing it on, on rafts and it was a bad idea. I ended up cutting the shoe and gluing it. Much better idea. But he had to do like 300 in a couple of weeks. And he didn't have enough printers. So he reached out to us. I caught him a deal because we were doing so many of them. And we got them done. Shipped them out to him. And he said they were beautiful. They work great. And hey, you know, it worked out. But yeah, there are times where you might just need to pay the bills and do whatever the hell you need to do to pay the bills. I feel that in my soul. Um, but contract negotiation. When you get contracts from people, they are negotiable. You are able to negotiate these contracts. Um... Hold on. Uh, you are able to negotiate contracts. We have a client that originally wanted to pay net 120. I said, absolutely not. Absolutely not. The best I will give you is net 30. And that is only if you can prove to me you can handle it. Because the first time you're late on net 30, you go to pay up front. Well, that's not traditional for us. I said, I don't care what's traditional for you. I'm the one working with you. If you don't want to do it my way, go find somebody else that will. Now, I didn't need their business, so I was being a bit of a dick there, but it worked. I have net 30 with them. That's it. And they pay on time, every time. And it works. The jobs we do with them aren't very expensive. Now, if they were like $10,000 jobs, I'd break it up into a few different payments and say, hey, I need $2,500 up front. That gets me to cover the staff because the staff are not going to get paid net 120. So, you know, hook me up up front and I'll give you the rest on net 120. But, you know, a lot of times companies won't do that. Um, sorry. Anyways, Lisa Lloyd talks about it where she she did stuff with Shark Tank, right? She was a Shark Tank show inventor. 
in the first season and she didn't realize she could negotiate the contract, right? What the sharks offer. She didn't know she could negotiate. And uh, yeah, it's bad news. I don't, I don't immediately accept contracts from other people, right? Especially NDAs. We don't accept NDAs anymore. Uh, we have one on our website. People can sign it. It's pre-signed by me. Um, and it's a legally binding signature and all that. It goes through a website that handles all the signatures and all that, like uh, DocuSign, but not DocuSign. And uh, it's great. Um, it's a great way for people to be able to trust each other without getting to meet each other first. But hilariously, if someone signs an NDA before they book time with me, I immediately don't trust them because they're clearly paranoid, right? If you can't trust me to talk to you about your idea before you sign an NDA, like, come on, dude, you're, you're basically starting out by saying, Hey, I need you to handcuff yourself before we, before we talk. Now I'm not going to put that past police in the United States, but you catch my drift. Hack monkey says net 120. Hell no. That's right. Hell no. Now, mind you, government agencies will require net 120, which is totally fine. You, you basically charge them so much extra to deal with the net 120 that you're willing to float the expenses that you're going to incur between the time that you get the parts and the time that you get the money. Done this many times. If a company employs a full-time engineer running their 3D printers, that's pretty much 100000 a year salary and benefits. But they're not going to pay them just to run their printers. So you figure an engineer that's also doing other engineering stuff um, if you're lucky is getting a hundred grand, uh, here they'll, they'll grab somebody out of college for 50 or 60 grand, have them run the printers, but then also do basic CAD work. So it might be worth like 30 to $40,000 for them to outsource it, but you will also have to figure out what kind of stuff they're printing and all of that. It might be beneficial to you. And if you can get a contract like that, when you're just starting, you can be comfortable 30 to 40 grand of extra work. And all you really, and if they're doing all the CAD work, they just send you the models. All you got to do is click print, remove supports and deliver it. Done, 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 done. Absolutely. I absolutely. The other thing is making sure you have the right printers. We made that mistake. The one house were not the right printers, but there really wasn't a right printer. Um, I got a TAS 6 the day it came out. Like, I, as soon as I saw the announcement, boom, I bought one. Um, that would be amazing. Right? It was $2,500. I still own it. It, it, it. It's up there. It's just too loud to really be for me to use anymore when I'm filming videos. Like, it's really noisy. But um, it's not a bad printer. It's just not a good one either by the current times. And with where Prusa's are at, and I'm going to caveat and say, I think Bamboo Lab is going to pass my test. Uh, but with where Bamboo might be, you can get a lot of value for sub $2,000 right now. And finding that right printer is really important. Creality is not the right printer for a business. Straight up not the right printer. And I don't care if you can put Clipper and all this other bullshit on it. How much time are you spending upgrading the printer versus how much time is it making you money? And how much time do you charge per hour 
put that into the printer and tell me you shouldn't have just bought a Prusa to begin with. And I get it. Prusas are dated. The MK3S is an old design. Prusa hasn't done a ton to it in the past four years. I get it. I get it. Actually, hilariously, the signed printer, this one right there with Joe's signature, I got three years ago today. Google reminded me of that. It's kind of cool. But, um, you know, buy the right damn printers. I don't care. Oh, uh, Hack Monkey, the printer that's being brought to me today from one of our patrons has Clipper on it. I have never used Clipper, ever. I have never once used Clipper, ever. So that's going to be a uh, an interesting experience, to say the least. Um. I wish the bamboo was at least 300 by 300 maybe next year. Honestly, I don't see a lot of value in bigger printers. The amount of work that we get that requires bigger printers is few and far between. The bulk of the work that we get easily fits on Prusa's, easily fits, you know, on the minis, in fact. Um, now, bigger prints, I've got the Fusion 3 F410, which is above me. And I will be replacing it with a Prusa, most likely. I might still keep the Fusion. I don't know. I don't know. We'll see what I can get for it on, on the secondhand market first. Um, although I might just keep it because it's a really fun printer to show how the kinematics work because it uses string instead of belts. It's kind of cool. Uh, and they can run fast. Not as fast as a bamboo. They can run fast. Um, and if it's 256, come on. Turn, turn your part 45 degrees and it'll fit. Uh, Bill on sound says I had a design in my head for SLA style printer for life-size statues. It would require a wall to start with. Is it like the, uh, ultimate extended edition Ultimaker two that just has like an eight foot tall Z axis or something? Um, hack monkey says bamboo looks, pr looks promising, but they need some time to show they are in it for the long term to justify business use have been able to have to be able to get those proprietary parts 100 effing percent. I agree. As I've said in many videos, I'm giving Bamboo Lab six months. If they can continue to produce and work on their printers and, you know, service customers for six months without any pretty major hiccups, um, like, you know, there are growing pain hiccups and then there are just straight up, we don't give a shit hiccups. There's a difference between those. Um, but if Bamboo doesn't get, doesn't have any issues, I'm going to probably get one because at $1,500 or $1,700 with the AMS, that's a really good value. That's a really good value. Now, I'm still going to get my Prusa XL. I want separate tool heads because I want to use PVA, um, soluble support material, and at different temperatures. But again... New companies, they need to prove themselves to me because if they're going to take three weeks to send me parts, I can't afford to have my printers down for three weeks. Now, I can because I have other machines, but if you're relying on two Bamboo Lab printers, one goes down, you order parts, it takes three weeks, and then the other one goes down a week and a half later, now you have a week and a half to wait before you have parts. That's also the value of maintaining and carrying an inventory of spare parts and keeping them organized so you know where they're located. All of that matters. So, yeah, be careful on the business side of things. But ultimately, you will make mistakes. And if you have any questions, reach out to me. That's what I want you guys to do. That's why 
the YouTube at 3dmusketeers.com is a public email address that goes to my inbox. And those of you that have reached out, thank you. We actually had a fan, a viewer of the show from Chile reach out and we had a Zoom call to kind of help them talk, uh, help, them, help them go through some resin failures they were having. And that was really cool. It's like we have viewers in South America and I laugh because the look on the guy's face when I joined the call was it was great. He was like starstruck. It was it was it was pretty fun. Uh, he's like, I didn't think you were going to be the one that did. It. I said, you book time in my calendar. I don't know what you were expecting. It's like, oh, that's so cool. I'm like, yeah, I can't do any of the fun resonance toxic stuff, but I'm happy to help you out. And I think we worked for like an hour and a half or so. It was only a 25 minute call that I went an hour and a half on, but I'm happy to help people. Right. That's my goal is to give back. The knowledge that I have takes years and years and years to obtain. But if I can give it back in 25 minute or hour and a half long videos, I want to do it. Because one day I'm not going to be in this industry anymore. And whether that's because I've decided to move on to other things or I'm not here anymore. I want that knowledge to remain. And of course, it will need to be updated throughout the years as new things change. But that's okay, right? Failure is always an option. But understand that it doesn't have to be. And if you put the right processes, procedures, and protocols in place, you do your research, and you try your best. You mitigate failure as much as physically possible. There's some big news coming up. Um, I don't know when I'll be able to release the video on it, but um, this go bag is not just because of Earth. Let's put it that way. Uh, we're doing a really cool thing coming up here and I'm excited and I hope to be able to bring, I'm going to bring you guys along. I don't know if you're going to get to see exactly what I'm doing. I'm going to tell you what I'm doing, but you know, might not be able to see me do it. Uh, so we'll see what happens there. But yeah, any final questions on this AMA before we wrap it up? Two freaking years as a weekly podcast. And I don't think we have ever missed a week. I know we've done them at weird times sometimes, but I don't think we've ever missed a week podcasting and i forget when i went live with them i think it was basically when we started doing youtube um but i do prefer them live they're way more fun when they're live so any final questions if not we're gonna wrap up this shindig i want to thank all you guys for coming out um build on sound asked what was the what was your worst wor most worst job you ever took on for printing it was a cart it was a cart uh, a full-size cart that this client wanted printed. It was over 40 kilograms of printing. It was unnecessarily large. It was just, it was stupid. It was absolutely stupid. I got paid basically nothing for it. That job was when I realized what my time was worth. Um, God, I hated that job. I can literally call some of our former staff, or I guess... I can call one of the former business owners and I can call one of our staff that were both involved on that project. And they will also, they will both, both groan about that project. It was so bad. God, that project was terrible. Yes. Like a shopping cart. It was huge. It had wheels and everything. Uh, Zach said that Ford badge was pretty bad. Zach, that Ford badge was difficult, but it was nowhere near bad. 
Well, thank you guys for coming out to the stream. I think that's it. I think we're going to wrap it here. That's been two years. Season two, episode 52. Next week, season three, episode one. And if you made it this far, I'll tell you the guest. We have Neil, the guy that makes the Prusa mates. He makes really, really awesome things. Neil is our guest next week, 2 p.m. Same day. So Saturday, 2 p.m. next week. You guys are going to love this one. I am so excited. Hopefully Neil doesn't reschedule because I just said it live on YouTube. But stay safe out there. Don't forget to call your loved ones. And as always, keep making awesome. Have a good one.